Okay, I'm going to just start everything from the top. So hi, everybody. This is episode two of season two of the Growing Pains podcast. I'm super excited. You can't see it, but I'm literally smiling like an idiot because we have guests. Yay. <laughs> um, Today we have good information on our show. I literally like just like blows my mind that everything worked out. And here we are today. The first time I had of good information was at Anonymous. Um, they had like a little chat with Valence and I was like, I have nothing productive to do tonight. So I know where I'm going. And I was really just taken by the way that they played. Um, they ended up playing what is now a single titled Fringes. And before they released it digitally, I had like a little clip on my phone that I would just like listen to over and over again, like a maniac. So yeah, it's been for me a long time coming to just have a chat with all of you, get to know you a little bit better. I'm going to let everybody introduce themselves, but as always, it's me, Akoi, and Eric, your hosts. <laughs> anybody, <laughs> anybody, we could do it alphabetically. Actually, yeah, yeah. Let's um let's start from what I see left to right in this call, I guess with Lucas and then Baboye next, and then Connell after. So bass player, good. Hey, this is B Boye. I play drums for good information. Uh my name's Connell. I play guitar and good information. How have you guys' days been? What's been like one part of your day you want to share with everybody? In order? Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. it's a free for all. Yeah, you can, you can all jump in whenever you want to. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll go. My, <laughs> my days, I don't know, my days are a bit like odd right now because I'm, I don't know if it's if it's known by you guys, but I'm kind of in the middle of my last year of medical school. So I'm like doing all these rotations and, you know, right now um, uh, I've kind of been in the thick of like some of the more time intensive, uh, difficult, like surgery rotations. So oh, wow. my days have involved uh, a lot of like getting up early and uh, standing still for hours, which I'm not too big a fan of, but uh, yeah. That's amazing. It's your like go-to shoe for standing still. I got a couple because I I have these like hospital shoes that are uh, they're like I always thought they were kind of dope. Um, but uh, my girlfriend's not a big fan. They're like Skechers, like just like Skechers with like a nice foamy inside. But uh, I guess not the most stylish shoe in the world. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not the not the. Not going for fashion uh, in the hospital, unfortunately. Totally. Have you have you never never met a doctor or like anybody who works in the hospital who has like particularly fly footwear? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. Like, definitely not the surgeons. Or okay, I should say there was there was a brain surgeon I was working with last week who showed up in like like crocodile skin like loafers, and I was like, <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> Like I don't know if it was because he was like, that's yeah, yeah, that's definitely who you want. That's like he's <laughs> he's probably the best surgeon in the world. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty pretty unreal. I I don't know if it was like 
like i don't know if it was because he's like a super stylish guy or if it was just like he just saw them and was like this is what cool people wear but i i don't know it was remarkable at least i haven't seen anything like that since or before <laughs> so wait, know, wait, like, wait. Was, was it just like was he was he still wearing scrubs like just like regular scrubs no so like... that would okay. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> what i was picturing yeah that's a funny story actually like the rest of the outfit was almost like wilder like it was like so he wasn't like doing like surgeries that day like he was just like he had a clinic at some point or something so he had like like he was he was pretty dripped out he had like a it was like a mustard yellow like gucci suit on with like blue crocodile skin loafers or what? Like, i don't know this oh guy was, was pretty tough i was like Oof. it's like no, a it's actually. a it was a silk sonic outfit yeah like basically yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like well that's like that's your that's your neurosurgeon i you know cool cool guy for sure but uh <laughs> i'd have faith in him yeah 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 that's a, that a funny one yeah i feel like you can't wear nice clothes if you're like a common perpetrator of medical malpractice like you wouldn't <laughs> yeah. have the money to do that <laughs> no kidding or like i don't know if it's like it's a bit like disarming when you see like a guy roll in who's like super dripped out and you're like whoa this is this is my doctor he must be cool i don't know oh my gosh i i want to know more about him but i'll ask later <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah yeah we'll we'll let these go on but that that's kind of like the the opposite of like the meme where it's like this is my lawyer i'm going to jail but it's like <laughs> this is my neurosurgeon i'm going to survive yeah. 100% yeah. success rate yeah. yeah i'm all good i i'm, I'm going to be good. i'm going to be smarter by the end of the surgery like yeah <laughs> Yeah. Oh, <laughs> who is next <laughs> yeah other days let's hear some other days yeah. or i can go or this is exciting. Can go as well. oh i don't really have anything exciting to say to be honest okay i went to work and i don't know like it was like a chill day but busy like i didn't have a bad day i was just like i was like okay it's tuesday you know, like I'm here, I'm doing things, typing things, silly little yeah. office job. So yeah, nice. I was like in the zone. That's sweet. No, that's pretty good. I, I feel like the days that go by without having to, especially when you work like a day job, the days yeah. that are like the quietest are sometimes the best. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you there. Like, I think, I don't know, like, I think you need like a mix of like exciting days, but like if every day is super exciting, like that's not like, yeah, then you're, you're stressing out or whatever. Like you got to have some, some chill days that just go by. Yeah. Exactly. Secure the bag, go home. And <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like, that's like the complete opposite of, of my job where it's like, <laughs> It feels like every day is like a day at the circus. <laughs> um, like it's, it's, it's really exciting, but like there's, yeah, there's definitely like, it's consistently just, just out to lunch every single day. So how does this make you feel? Uh, pretty, pretty stressed oh, no. okay. <laughs> most of the time. Um, but it's like, overall it's, it's still, it's still exciting. It's still, 
there, there's still a lot of it, it's just the things that go wrong right um, wait what do you do could i ask I, yeah i work in uh construction so we do anything related to stairs and railings like it's oh, a very nice. very very specific subset um yeah today was we did um if you've ever seen like floating glass mm-hmm. on the staircase oh, yeah. yeah yeah we do so we did we did a job like that and it and surprisingly it wasn't a circus it was like everything everything worked out everything lined up um but it was just a lot of like heavy lifting okay yeah so okay here's like a nosy side question if there's heavy lifting do you like do strength training on your off days or are you just like you'll do it when you're on the job as it's yeah it's it's kind of just like an on the job thing okay okay yeah making gains yeah. it's probably like it's probably not it's probably not the best idea like i feel yeah. like that's that's probably how you get injured don't say that <laughs> don't say job. anything negative no injuries <laughs> well okay like my brother works in uh in the trades as well he's like an in- industrial electrician right he's been known to work out in the past and like I work out too. So it's like when you work out, you're so focused on your form, so focused on not injuring yourself. If my work right now involved me moving my body at all, I would have thrown my back out already. Like, I'm just like, get the work done. I don't care. Yeah. 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 Like you, you kind of have to stop yourself and go, okay, like what's like, what's like proper, what's proper form or like what's, if I like lift this giant piece of glass on my own, like I'm going to hurt myself. Like, let me just get somebody else um to help so okay yeah it's it's definitely like a a stop and stop and think kind of kind of kind of deal it's giving wimis yeah it's like this is good this is not it's giving occupational health and safety yeah okay so if there's ever anything sketchy happening let me know i'll call um (laughs) be all better board and be like listen oh, you know at this address right now you gotta <laughs> like get right there now a little yeah. bed told me yeah I, cool, cool. I think i saw this tiktok on twitter back when it was still twitter about this one dude where he wouldn't really work jobs he would just work jobs until he heard something like he would hear something <laughs> inappropriate in a break room and then he would report it to hr and then hr would try and cover it up and then he would get into a lawsuit and then he would win and that was his whole way of like cycling through money, right? And then like, or he would re- report them and then the HR would talk to the people who said like something inappropriate in the break room. And then they would come up to him and they'd be like, hey man, I heard you said like all this shit to the HR. And then he would report that and then he would get his his, his money. And oh, that God. is like, that's such a convoluted way to <laughs> Like, And there's no way that's like that lucrative, right? Like, I mean, unless you're like, working in horrible workplaces where people are like just always saying horrible things i don't know i guess i've never really had like (laughs) a real job so i don't know if that's like maybe just something that happens at like regular workplaces oh definitely oh yeah (laughs) i was just gonna say this is not professional advice to anybody listening no no no. yeah if this worked more people would be doing it exactly yeah no kidding it's like a pretty pretty high risk uh type of type of job right there (laughs) okay and now we're down to two um i can share i can share what what went on with my day 
this this feels like a stand-up at my work because I, I work in tech, right? So we always got to talk about what we're doing, what we've done. Um, but today we had like a work social, which is kind of interesting. Um, everybody from the product team. And I met my uh, product manager, project manager for the first time ever. And we've, we've always gotten along. Um, and it was kind of cool. Like I met her and it was like, we gave each other like a hug and we were like excited to see each other. I'm like, oh my God, this isn't just my coworker. This is like a friend. So that's, that's kind of cool. It was like, I used to think about her as like a coworker. Now I think about her as a friend. Um, and I got to see like a whole bunch of other people that I don't really get to talk to. Um, but everybody's a dev. Um, and then everybody's kind of, kind of introverted. Um, and nobody really wants to talk about anything. Folks just kind of want to play video games and like drink. So, um, I guess that's the most exciting thing that's happened at my job recently. And my day mostly revolves around my job, unfortunately. Yeah. That's kind of nice though, you know, like uh, it, relationships evolving with people in your immediate vicinity. Real mm. nice. Making some pals. Yeah, exactly. And my project <laughs> manager, she's like a, you know, you know, like digital nomads. Yeah. Like, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Before, before I started working at like a larger tech company, I didn't, I, I thought like digital nomads were like, um, were just like hearsay. Like they didn't really exist. Like nobody could really actually do that. And then I joined this company and my project manager, she's like all around the world all the time. And same with the head of design. Right. Um, and I met both of them today and like, you know, there's like some difficulty with like being a digital nomad where you're like essentially taking advantage of like this, like stronger economy that's stronger for like these certain historical purposes and reasons. Um, so what? like in some ways I'm like, wow, it would have been nice to spend the entirety of my twenties traveling. But then also I'm like, damn, it's like post-colonialism. Fun. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. And nobody ever. No, no, it's not fun. But yeah, that's that's the whole thing. That's my whole thing. Does your office have a foosball table? It used to. It used to have a ping pong table. Okay. So like that's something yeah. I would associate with like tech. Yeah. I don't know why. We got rid of it though. <laughs> not enough people play ping pong. Yeah. I mean Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It says a lot. Really does. <laughs> Is it my turn? Yeah. Yes, well, yeah, I'm nodding, yeah. just like. <laughs> you don't have to, you can say as much or as little as you want. No pressure. I am on a new, like, routine. I don't, I don't have a day job anymore, which is kind of funny. Um but I am teaching drums and playing lots of music as my, what are we going to call it? I don't know, evening job. Okay. So not during the day. Um, and today I, what did I do? I have a show coming up at like the jazz club in Edmonton in like a couple of weeks. So I just looked through my, my giant digital archive of music that I either have sheet music for or that I want to play. And I picked some tunes to play for this show. So that was kind of fun. 
And it's something I've been putting off for a while. So it was just fun to like go through all of this music that I have kind of stored up and craft some set lists. Nice. Yeah, That's amazing. I was gonna. Yeah, I was gonna ask because like I did a lot of um, research on the band uh, prior to this like episode, right? Because you know, like her Akoyi is the one who has like the background, like she knows y'all, like. Uh, I'm like okay, let's let's learn more about uh, about this band. And you specifically have like three or four different ads linked under your Instagram account, and they're all different like musical pro uh, music pro uh, projects. Yeah. So like, um, so you you jump between a lot of different projects at once. Yeah. Yeah, I think well, most musicians because I'd call myself like a working musician. Mm -hmm. Most working musicians are playing for like kind of everyone and everybody, like. Uh, Earlier today, a country band called me and asked if I could play a gig in Saskatchewan. Um, so, you know, we, we wear many hats. So that's kind of that's cool. so awesome. I'm, I'm, you know, I already told you, but I'm excited for you. I'm so proud of you. I love to hear like people, you know, doing the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, um, I feel like a lot of creative uh, folk, they they think to themselves, like the moment that they can start doing what they want to do creatively full time is the moment that they'll feel like they've hit like a groove or like they'll finally feel like, you know, they're getting somewhere. Um, how do you feel being a working musician, um, like about, you know, playing music, how you feel about your career at this point now that you're doing it for all intents and purposes full time? How do I feel? Oh my gosh. I don't know. I'm pretty fresh. I'm pretty fresh into the quote unquote. Like I quit my day job like seven or eight weeks ago. So it's pretty, pretty dang fresh. In fact, earlier today I went back to my day job as a sub because I used to I used to work for the youth orchestra of Northern Alberta. So I just subbed in for the day. Um so I don't know. It feels good to kind of at least craft my day the way I want it to. Like, um, I think uh, with with the day job, it didn't feel like I could dedicate time to writing music. Like, I think, uh, and the band would know this, I've had a few kind of times in my life where, like, I, I went to, I studied abroad in Finland for, like, five months, and I wrote a bunch of music in Finland. And it's kind of like, every time I have a new gig that's kind of like under my name or something, I'll like pull another tune from like that bag, which was like four years ago now. And I'll be like, okay, let's, let's, let's like actualize this tune. So now that I don't have school or a day job kind of in my way, I can hopefully foster just a consistent daily routine of pumping out new music or like actually dedicating time ahead of time to work on grants or, um, yeah, just like actually keep tabs on the creative side of my work instead of kind of like when I have the chance, I'm going to run and like try to carve out time of my day for it. So. Well, cool. Do you feel actually, no, that's too much of a nosy question. What I'm going to do is actually <laughs> pull us back. Start at the beginning how did good information start? Like, have you guys always known each other? Um, or did you just have like a sudden meet cute and you were like, let's form a band? 
uh, who's the best one to to go through the origin story yeah i guess like at this point like i haven't been around since the beginning so i can only speak to when i came around but i guess in a sense like b-boy and i went to high school together we did and so we we had known each other for for a while but um i don't know if we really interacted that much and in high school we did go on a band trip to cuba together together as well actually i guess that would have been like the first time that we played together as like a rhythm section because i was playing bass and uh you're playing drums in and that's Maybe like that was shocked we like actually chatted because it was kind of yeah. a, we had like a it was a funny experience because it was like you know a bunch of quasi westerners going to cuba and then our band teacher was like let's play cuban music <laughs> oh. Wait, why? <laughs> um and so like i remember many times and like the rhythm section is pretty core to that music so lucas and i would kind of just look at each other and be like this is an interesting experience how do we make this yeah <laughs> yeah that Wait. was funny so how <laughs> just... did he get you music or did you guys just like know how did he what your your teacher in Cuba. How did he get you guys music? If he was well, like, like uh, you know, he uh, I don't know. I guess like we had a lot. Of, like there were probably like what like twenty people in the group, and so he, he basically was it more than twenty. I mean, it was like it was a lot, more like right? Forty but, at least. Oh, jeez. But like you know, it was basically just like whoever wanted to come. So it was a pretty like random assortment of instruments. Um, but like he you know, there's a lot of like jazz standards that are really like, you know, Latin tunes, like bossa nova rhythms or like, uh, you know, kind of like samba Brazilian rhythms and whatnot. And so it like, it wasn't specifically Cuban music that we were playing. I don't think he just pulled off a couple of like jazz standards that were originally arranged, arranged for like small group, like, you know, five or six people. And we played them with like a 40 person orchestra yeah. with like, you know, pretty strange instrumentation. Like it was a really weird, uh, weird experience. I think he played with us too, didn't he? Like he brought his saxophone and like was like soloing over. <laughs> like it was kind of, it was tough. Like it was, I mean, you know, good experience. Uh, going to Cuba, cool place and all. Yeah, we had yeah, a good yeah. time. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's actually really amazing. So, the boy Lucas gone to school together, played together when you were like super little. And then what happened next since you said that, you know, you've popped into the band a bit later? Well, um, like Connell, we, we had a piano player in the past as well that was, that's been in the band that was in the band from the beginning. <laughs> and we went to McEwen for music uh, in Edmonton for post-secondary at the same time. Um, and I guess like Andre, the piano player, also went to high school with Lucas and I. Okay. Um, and then... And we weren't really like homies at all in high school, but then we ended up getting close when we went to uni. And like the true origin story of the band is that we were probably, I think we were in like a theory class or an ear training class in our first year of university. And we we're sitting beside each other, Andre and I. And there was this student who I always say this student, but he's like my friend now. So I'm just going to name drop him. This, this student, like this bass player named Sean Kroll. We used to like ask, I'm just, yeah, I'm going to say we're homies now. He would ask like bad questions, 
in class <laughs> all the time. Like, you know, it's kind of like the teacher would like just explain something and he'd be like, just, just want to confirm is the thing you just said, what you just said. And the teacher's like, yes, I just said that um, like all the time. And so it was like everyone in the class just kind of knew Sean as the guy who would ask the obvious questions. Um, and then one day he asked like a great question and there was like a hush that fell over the class. And we were like, what is like, that's a great insightful question that maybe other people were wondering. And I just looked at Andre and I was like, wow. Or like the teacher answered the question. And then I was like, wow, that's really good information. And oh. then like that kind of sat with me and I was like, oh, that's like a good band name. Um, and then I think probably like six months later, we were playing music as a duo, Andre and I together. And we were like, oh, we should, we should name this thing. And I was like, do you remember like six months ago where in theory class this happened? And he was like, I don't remember that at all. But I was like, we're going to go with good, good information. And uh, Connell was one or two years ahead of us at McEwen. I think it was one. Okay. I think it was Connell? just one. Yeah, Connell was a year ahead of us. How did you find out about Andre and I, good information early? I think it was just through Instagram. Oh, really? Like, oh. I think you just, like, posted something. Okay. Uh, and then I, like, I asked you guys to record. Um and it never happened. Yeah, it never happened. <laughs> it never, it never actually happened. Because um, I was in the, I was in the recording program there at mm. McEwen, mm. um, and you have to do, you have to do a certain amount of projects. Um, and I was, I was kind of scrambling. I was like, I, I need to find bands. I need to find somebody just to come into the studio and record. Um, I you were scrambling. I, 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 yeah, it was, it was definitely like a scramble moment um but so it never it never actually happened um and then a couple i think a couple months or like a year no i'm re i'm remembering this wrong within the year yeah. i don't know how you i don't know how we started playing with you like i can't, you I, I can't remember i think it was like you were like oh we need a like a bass player and i was like sure <laughs> and then like a couple rehearsals later uh it worked out yeah and yeah. we were kind of operating as a collective at first so we had a few other good friends like a vocalist who's now based in calgary named dana i think they probably go by dana nell as an artist probably and then this trumpet player named johnny johnny chavez who's also based in calgary they were kind of in the rotation. Uh, another Edmonton-based bass player named Daniel Blade was kind of in the collective and some vocalists in town, like good friends, Safira and a rapper who goes by Just Mo. And then over time, we were kind of digging like the instrumental core of the, the collective. And then slowly we solidified as like a quartet and now we're a trio. That's actually so exciting. I love this. It's like juicy. I guess. And Lucas, have you studied music before med school? Or was that like finished high school and you moved forward? Yeah, kind of a, li a little bit like out of high school. I went to, uh, I, I studied jazz at McGill for, uh, for a year. Um, and so 
you know, I didn't do, I didn't do a full degree or anything, but I, uh, yeah, went out there, didn't really, wasn't digging it, came back. Um, and I did a, a science degree here. Um, and kind of just by chance, I like, like after being back for a couple of years, I ran into, to B-Boy A at a concert, at a concert, excuse me. And he was like, still playing bass, you know, and you need a bass player. And, uh, I guess like, you know, there's, there's always a bass player shortage. So I got a bit lucky there, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm like, yeah, I'm the only one who doesn't have a music degree, uh, in the band, I guess. No, that's cool. It's cool. It's, it's like nice to see all sorts of types of experience. Totally. Totally. And it's like, it's been really good. I feel like, you know, I, I hadn't really been playing too much before they, uh, they asked me to join the band because, you know, I'd been busy with school stuff or whatever, but it was a really good reason to kind of get back into it and like, you know, get, get better because I didn't want to be embarrassed, uh, playing, playing bass on stage. And mm. Embarrassment is well, a huge motivator. Oh, sorry. I <laughs> talked over you. No, that's hilarious. Embarrassment is a huge motivator. Sheesh. It can't I don't be. know. <laughs> yeah. not like the healthiest one but like no, yeah no. it was no yeah <laughs> like i was on a meeting with like my boss and a whole bunch of people from outside of my um what department right and i just i said something like hey so this thing isn't actually sending the name of this value and then everybody on the meeting was like hey yes it is and I was the person who had been like researching this and then trying to figure out what's been going on with one of our products. And I'm like trying not to look at the screen. I'm trying not to look at all my coworkers. And I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I fucked up. And it's like haunting me. That happened like yesterday. Oh, <laughs> That's okay. a tough one. I, yeah. I don't know. I, you know, I'm like, it doesn't matter. I think I told <laughs> Eric this before. Okay. So the, f- 2019 I like came out to Vancouver to interview for a job I just started playing guitar like fall of 2018 and I was like while I'm here why not play at an open mic Mm -hmm. um mind you I had like three months of like guitar playing under my belt so I was like yeah I'm, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go and I'm gonna play a song I just started learning in January this was in March um went onto that stage song one did great song two I fucked up and I could see that the audience was like, whoa, <laughs> like you really fucked up. But I was like, whatever. That's just like a story. So yeah. yeah. You know what? I, I don't give a fuck like 364 days of the year. But that one. Yeah, but that one, I'm like, ooh, I burned my ass there. Oh, that could, that could be dinner on the table. You know what I mean? No. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> no. That's tough. Yeah, like if yes. I ever get fired from this job, I'm like, I know exactly the moment. <laughs> Don't say that. Oh my god. Yikes. Eric's boss, let him keep his job if you're listening for whatever reason. <laughs> I, I guess my question coming from like I have, I don't know, a non-traditional music background is going through the process of like studying music, even if you left after the first year because you were not keen on it. Um, were there perceptions you had before doing your degree that shifted as far as like your approach to your own musical goals? 
that's a that's a really good question um there like i think for me i think the element of like community was really really shifted uh mm. when i went to music school because it was like the the community of McEwen is so like um it's just like it's so tight-knit um and it really i think i think there's there's still a little bit a little bit of like a stigma around like McEwen bands that form um like within within that program Mm -hmm. um just just kind of the sole reason being like it's it's a um it's like a jazz and popular music program so you get a lot of like cover bands that come out Mm -hmm. um of the of the program so it um but there's there's like a lot I mean, even just in the last, like, five, has it been five years? No. Yeah, I think so. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, time is flying. But, like, in the last five years, like, just seeing seeing the bands and seeing the, the music that's coming out of that program is is really, really, like, it, it's just, like, really enlightening to see. Hmm enlightening in a positive way or yeah oh yeah definitely in a positive way like when when i was when i first entered the program um there was definitely like a a weird like it was almost like cover bands were only coming out of McEwen. Mm. um but i yeah just like that perspective shift was really good that's awesome to hear because i feel like I don't care about musicians being like a community. <laughs> so that's actually really delightful. Um, okay, I have a question for you guys. Um, oh, wait, did did oh, anybody else want to touch on that question? Or I can, I can just touch on the fact that I came in pretty, like, green. Um, I didn't really... Like, uh, I was kind of... I Like, I if I want to get, like, hoo-hoo about it, I was I was pretty much like led to music. It wasn't a very intentional uh, pursuit. Like I was gonna go be like be an educator and study education, and that was like my plan, my goal. I still love teaching. It's why I still do it. But um, so I was pretty green about music, um, and so in many ways, just my whole conception of like being a musician or like the scene um, or my goals have been shaped by my experience of going to school. And mm-hmm. so I feel like I owe lots to, to kind of post-secondary music education. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm pretty, I'm just mostly just grateful for it. So. Yeah, that's interesting. Like I, I think um, like my experience, I think was a bit different because, you know, I was going to, to school in Montreal at McGill. Um, and I think the programs are quite a bit different. Like it, over there, it is like pretty strict, like what kind of music you're allowed to play. And like, there's kind of a hierarchy and like, you know, if you're playing anything, but like a certain, you know, very specific kind of jazz, it's kind of, you know, frowned upon or whatever. So, you know, I, I kind of, I didn't really feel great about 
I mean, obviously I like, I, I dropped out. I didn't love what was going on over there. Um, and it wasn't a great fit, I think, just cause like, you know, I think at that stage in my music career, I didn't feel like I was a very creative person. Like it was more of a skill and I was practicing it, you know, the same way you would practice like any sort of skill. Like if you're playing soccer or whatever, you, you practice a lot, you do a lot of running, you do fitness or whatever. And that's kind of how I was approaching it, which, you know, it works for some people, but, um, I didn't find it overly fulfilling. Uh, and, and so I think like, you know, my perception of music school at the time that I left was that it was not, it didn't feel like that creative, a, a space. And, you know, I think a lot of that probably had to do more with like just who I was at that time. Like, I think people were being creative around me, but, um, you know, I wasn't fitting in that environment, but, you know, I think, uh, I, I kind of do wonder sometimes if, if, I, if I had gone to McEwen instead, what my experience would have been. Cause it does sound like, you know, there was more creative stuff happening there um, uh, and different kinds of music that, you know, I was more a fan of, um, but, you know, either way, I, I think I kind of, when I eventually came back to music after having gone to music school for a year and not liking it, uh, it, it felt like I was actually, you know, able to contribute something creatively again. Um, and that's been a really nice part of like playing in this band. Like it doesn't feel like, like, I mean, there is obviously a skill involved in playing your instrument, but uh, I think you can contribute by being a good technical player of your instrument, uh, as well as like being creative and playing things in an interesting way. Uh, you know, and I, I feel like that's something I really liked about you know, when I first started playing with this band and, uh, you know, since in the, in the years since then, I, I still feel really strongly about how, how great it is to, to kind of contribute something creatively. That's so wholesome. I do have, I know Eric has a question, but as you were talking, I was wondering, was there a moment where you shifted from being like, oh, this is like a technical skill, you know, like you do the work and you stay practiced to like, oh, like, you're creative like you're creatively inputting um that's a good question i think like for me like it was kind of a gradual transition like i think when i started playing with the the good info boys uh it was like it took a minute like i at first i kind of was just like learning tunes and like you know um playing along and uh and you know like playing things my way but like definitely still you know practicing as a skill just because I, I you know had to kind of do that to keep up um but I don't know I think like the moment uh, like it was it was all gradual but the moment that it like it felt like we were all kind of functioning on all like just clicking on all cylinders uh, creatively was like in the last year I think when we were working on our album and we were kind of taking these songs that we had played for years but like reconstructing them, reconfiguring them, um, and recording them in a way that you know, was kind of different to how we had played them for so long. Um, and I, I think that process was like a very creative one. And, you know, it, it took a long time with like a lot of, you know, there was a lot of reflective time built in between recording sessions and whatnot. And everything I thought was very thoughtfully done. And, and that was kind of where I, I felt it the most like, okay, this is a creative endeavor we're all like 
artists doing a thing. We have a vision. That was definitely a lot of fun. Exciting. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm not going to ask nosy questions. I'm not going <laughs> to go on. <laughs> yeah. But awesome question or awesome answers. Um, so yeah, I was doing a, a lot of research, like going through your website, going through your Instagram, scrolling, scrolling deep. Um, and I think it's really clear how much of like a hip hop influence you have with your music. You're arranging songs from artists like Tyler, the creator, Kanye West, and then in the R&B side or like the alt R&B side, Frank Ocean. Um, with your new album on the way, what are some of the things that you learned about writing music from building these arrangements that you did? Whoa, that's a good question. And very timely because we're working on our next um, like rejazzed um, concert. Uh, so like we're we're about to like even maybe after this we're gonna like put our arranging hats on. Um, man, when you arrange when you have to arrange the music of like geniuses, you you have to like analyze what they've done, mm. and then like figure out a way to take something that's already really good and like works and is kind of in this pristine you know i want to say finished package although like i firmly believe in like this quote that's like all art is abandoned so it's like <laughs> never finished it's just like mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna leave this here um you just like you like have to put your your brain into like you have to like get into someone's lens of seeing the world and like creating art and then you have to like take it apart and then put it back together in your own way so it's like, I don't know. It's like, I've been thinking about this lately. I think it's like been really helpful for our own like music to take someone else's music and not play it as a cover. Not that, not that like some covers are like less creative than others, but like to truly take it apart, think about all the elements within it and then rebuild them in a way that we think will work in a live context for our specific like arrangement of instruments like with our own batch of sounds, not trying to get these, all of the album sounds recreated live. So anyway, I don't know if that really answered much, but um, yeah, that's my answer. No, no, definitely. And like uh, the the artists that you guys are working on are like known, like extremely good at arranging music. Yeah. Totally. And it's kind of, it almost feels like kind of tricky when we're, like when at the beginning stage of planning out a rejazz, because you know we like we have to f- figure out what songs we want to do, um, and you know you're taking these songs that are like so well known and so iconic in a lot of cases, and you're like, you know, trying to figure out a way to like make them new and and fresh, and you know, convert them into our style while at the same time like honoring them and not just like, you know, like it's very tempting to just like play the songs exactly the way they're supposed to be played like a cover or go in the opposite direction where, you know, you just play everything a little weirder or you like add a beat or you take out a beat or whatever. But I think finding the balance of that is, is kind of the, the important part for our, our re-jazz material. It's, it's interesting too, because kind of circling back to the question, um, like we, we pl- kind of exclusively played a lot of our original songs live um, for 
upwards of four or five years um, before recording them. So years. taking like taking that um, kind of live element and like almost like deconstructing those songs in the same way that that we did that we do rejazz um kind of taking that and yeah again recontextualizing it in the same way i i don't think we were like consciously doing that um when we were recording but i think that um it's kind of ingrained in the process uh that we've kind of built up for recording so yeah amazing so it would be something like you're playing um like while you're like working through um like fringes you're playing the different passages and then you might be like hey this what if we played this here or like what if we change this up like this yeah um and like just playing them playing them live for so many years they kind of they kind of evolve um every single time you play them uh so you can kind of go yeah you can kind of go back to be like oh like we've played it like this um like maybe a year ago let's like go back to that for the actual recording I it's like there's a lot of our tunes that like that are on the album now that you know the first time we played them it was like 14 minute long song and it was just like tons of like jamming and you know a bit maybe a bit excessive and and I think like the the cool part of the recording process was like figuring out how to get that you know kind of condense it to like what are the best parts of this song and you know how do we arrange them in a certain way that tells a story and I think that's kind of how we ended up it's kind of like what we do with the re-jazz material too like what are the important parts of this song how do we want to set them up so that it flows um and I think like it, it it definitely those rejazzed um you know uh, concerts we did it really kind of helped us like figure out like gain some skills in arranging um and i think that you know when our album comes out and you guys will see that like not every song is 12 minutes long like it'll be like that's why mm-hmm. <laughs> going from performing live recording your singles what made you feel like okay like you have to write an album was it cumulative it was it was pretty cumulative like it was kind of just like we have we had so much music it's like like we didn't have to write the album is kind of like the best way to explain it we it was like it was already written if we wanted it to be and we just needed to make it make sense in a recorded format that people could listen to not live (laughs) so yeah and like you know for i don't know four or five years of being a band like every every concert there's somebody that comes up like oh can we can i find you on spotify or whatever and it's like you know at a certain point it we were kind of like okay it probably would be good to have like a couple more of our you know creative works in in the world and accessible to people especially you know if you want if you want people to listen to you who aren't you know within the edmonton area and able to come to your shows you kind of have to have something out there so yeah a lot of uh, a lot of motivating factors for sure how are you guys feeling now that you've like 
gone online, you know, you have some stuff out there, you've got your two singles, you've got a great video. I saw some of your old performances on your YouTube as well. Um, Cause I know, okay, way back when, when I first heard you guys play, I actually had a chat with the boy about your approach to like playing live. So I'm just curious, like, how do you feel about being online now? <laughs> We're all making faces. You guys are like gonna listen to the audio, but the facial expressions <laughs> are being made. <laughs> you don't have to answer this too. Like there's no pressure. There's no, don't feel obligated. When you, when you ask that question, I yeah. feel weird. Like it feels like, I don't know about what your guys' responses were, but I was like, mm, that feels kind of funky. Because I think I was like somewhat married. Like I think music is deeply communal. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I get a little sad when it's like, it's, it's isolated. And mm. obviously I think it's incredible that we can listen to music you know, in our individual homes without a musician playing it live. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I'm like, especially as a working musician, like whose job it is to play live music. I'm like, you know what? If I could only listen to music when a real musician or band was playing it in front of me, yeah, I wouldn't be mad at that. That might be a nice time. I might appreciate it more. Yeah. You know, I, like I there, there's more value in that. But um I'm pretty stoked. That, like we can share our music to a broader audience and um yeah and like people are talking about it people can kind of yeah people from far away can listen to it that's always that's always nice so and and it's just like um yeah i guess at the end of the day you can only you can only play so many shows in edmonton so before you have to do like a world tour or something you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah, it's definitely good, like having, you know, our music out there and like it, you know, it is just kind of the start, like the album that we recorded is not out yet, but you know, it will be hopefully soon, like, uh, you know, in the next little bit here, uh, stay tuned. But uh, it like, I think, I don't know, for us, like it is <laughs> like, I can imagine like the, the vibe of coming to a good info show would be a lot different from like listening to the album like i think there's a lot of like funny stuff that happens on stage between us that like i really enjoy and like the songs do sound different every time um you know there is a lot of improvisation that goes on and like a lot of looks that we exchange on stage a lot of like you know little musical cues that we just like kind of know from each other that you know signal different things and i don't know like i think it's good to have some of the the videos out there but I don't know, like it, it really is nice when we play a, a two, like when we play a show in our city and the community's there. And, you know, I, I've met a lot of people through the band and I see a lot of people at all our shows that, you know, maybe I don't know, but I feel like it is just a community at, uh, at our shows. And it, it really is nice to see everybody when we play live. This is so touching. Sorry. Uh, and <laughs> and okay. just like, oh my gosh. In in slight relation to that, so like um putting out music um on Spotify, I actually have the list of the top five listening locations by city for good information. Ooh. Do you guys know um the top five? Seem like like yeah. so you're saying like which ones, like which cities listen to good info? Yeah, the like most. Edmonton would have to be 
Like it would have to be Edmonton number one. Yeah, Edmonton assume. is number one. And I, I think you guys can assume that Calgary is number two. Okay. But then the next three are kind of a toss-up. You guys want to hear? You guys want to guess? Okay, can you give us one hint? Is the next one are are there other like other Canadian cities next? Yeah, yeah. They're all Canadian cities. Oh okay. and none of them are in Alberta. Okay. Oh, that's yeah, I feel like Toronto would be a safe guess, but like okay. that's number four. Okay. Is Regina on there? That would be no, 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 no. no. Is, is Vancouver? <laughs> Vancouver is there, right? No, 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 no. What? Yeah. yeah like, I, <laughs> I, I was honestly flabbergasted, which is why I have the list. I think it's really interesting. Um, oh, but I if, I sh- if I share with you guys the list, maybe you guys can illuminate why you have so many more listeners in number three, Victoria. No? We have okay. no idea why. Like, I don't know. There's got to be like, like one person we know. Yeah. Like somebody's probably got a friend that lives in Victoria or something. Like, I don't oh, know. Yeah. Like we all have friends there, but like we've never played there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't really know. Okay. There's, okay. So it goes Victoria, Toronto, and then my hometown, Surrey, BC. <laughs> what? <Whoa. Surrey>. Yeah. <laughs> Yo. Shout out Surrey. Shout Yo. out Surrey for real. So okay, yeah, yeah. Bouncing from um, like the the, this this says like um, you you guys mentioned community a little bit. Um, so like between local rappers freestyling over you guys jamming to Yonkers in in a video and um to like art studios being mentioned in your music videos and then actually like there being like painting studios in your music videos. Um, there seems to be a through line of community. Um, where does Edmonton as a place in a community start and end in the work of good information? Ooh. Ooh. That's a good question. That's a good that's question. A, that's a very good question. I think, uh, I don't know, like there's just so many people in our city. Like, I think Edmonton is kind of an artsy city, but uh you know, like it is a bit smaller than some of the other major cities around. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not entirely artsy. Like there's certain parts of it that are quite artsy. Um, so I find like within our city, there's been a lot of those artsy people that, you know, for whatever reason have like found us and kind of gravitate towards the band and show up at our shows a lot. And like, as a result, we, you know, we just, it seems like there's a, a huge community that, we know and people who we we know and like and who are around a lot who are doing all kinds of like cool artsy stuff um and because it's such a small city like it's just easy for everybody to find each other i guess yeah i feel like we are i mean you said starts and ends okay well i mean as like i feel like we are a product of edmonton in many ways in fact like I, there was a there was a time where I was saying like we, we kind of are in a lineage of instrumental bands, like young instrumental bands based in Edmonton, playing like music that lives somewhere between jazz and hip hop, and it feels like in many ways like this this feels like it's like an underplaying of what we do, but it's like we are just the next, we were just who was next in that lineage. Um, 
And so, yeah, I feel like we can we can kind of give props to these other bands like N3K and High Tides that were doing what we're, we're, we're doing. And then we, we saw them playing this music in Edmonton and we didn't see a lot of it in Edmonton. And we were like, okay, it's our turn. So... Yeah, amazing. That's amazing. That's very My cool. Question. Oh, oh no. sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna ask, um, being in the Edmonton creative scene, are there any like notable changes you've experienced actually participating in it versus just like watching and knowing it's there or it's just whatever? I think I think for a lot, um, I'm going to steal um, from another podcast, um, but uh, Wes from Nowhere Fast. Yes. Um, yeah. So he, I like, I, I listen to his podcast a lot. Um, and in, it, in one of his most recent ones, he said that in Edmonton, if you, if you like put on an event, like people like will show up. Like it, it doesn't matter if it's like minus 40 or if it's like, like it's the middle of summer and everything's dead. Um, like people, if you put something on, people show up. Um, so yeah, it's definitely like there's, yeah, the sense of community is just really, really strong. Totally. I, I love that about Edmonton. I feel like being in BC, it's like a totally different vibe. <laughs> I'm always like, Edmonton people would not do this to me. Yeah. Like, as you mentioned, it's just like people show up for you. Yeah. I hear that a lot about like other places in, in Canada that like it's not the same. And it it's kind of hard to imagine because like, I don't know, here it's like, you play a show and like there's other musicians there are other uh, artists creative people around and everybody's just like nice and like happy to you know happy to be there and very supportive and it's just like like you know we've i've heard from like friends who go to toronto they're like yeah it's like not the vibe like it's just a different kind of you know like intensity in that city where everybody's grinding and like you know nobody wants to give each other props yeah. So I don't know. I guess it must like it probably depends. I'm sure those communities exist uh, somewhere. They're just like harder to break into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like if you ran an event in Vancouver, like, uh, and you you invited a, like a bunch of people, like nobody would show up, and then you would get more apologies in text messages about not being able to show up <laughs> than the people that you actually invited. Like you would somehow have less. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's funny man i it makes me wonder like what's going on are you guys just so busy out there like everybody's got <laughs> going on? Nah. i you know i think okay sorry to all the vancouverites don't hate me um just a little fake yeah <laughs> it's not bad like i feel like it is what it is, but sometimes like I'll have people, like I'll like bump into people <laughs> I haven't seen in a while and they'll be like, oh my God, let's hang out. Like, I'll text you, I'll call you. And it's like, we could have just had like a cute, like, oh, I haven't seen you. 
how are you? Life's good. Like, keep it moving. But they ask you and then there's no follow up. And then you're no. like, why did you? You don't have to say that. Like, oh, you know, tough. if you don't want to hang tough. out, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> sorry, Eric. <laughs> to um, like, uh, Yeah, no worries. Be derogatory towards Vancouverites just a little bit. I still I mean, love you guys. I think I like Toronto way, 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 way more because um, the moment I landed in Toronto, um, like I started living here just about like two and a bit years ago, I made more friends in like a week than I had made in my prior year and a half in Montreal, where it's kind of hard if you don't know French. And then like more friends that I had made in Vancouver in my like best two years in Vancouver, which was when I was working with Okoye. Um, That's where we met. Um, yeah, and like the community here seems pretty good and you hold something or you, you do something. At least in the, like, I guess I'm in like the um, East Asian, mostly Chinese uh, creative artist scene here in um, in Toronto. You do something, people are going to show up. Mind you, it's mostly people that you know, not a lot of new people, um, but I think it's, um, you know, supportive nonetheless. Um, that being said, if y'all come out to Toronto and play a show, I'll bring all my friends. It's going to be a great time. Just like that. Your like, show? Like Toronto is just like, like I was just in Toronto a couple weeks ago, like just on a little vacation. And like, it's just so overwhelming. Like you're like, okay, like I'm looking for something to do or like, oh, I'm like, let's go, to, let's go out to eat tonight. Like where should we go? Well, there's literally a thousand restaurants that we could choose from and like, you know, a thousand events happening at one time. So like, I don't know, I felt overwhelmed. I was like, I don't know, like you could just wander around and kind of find your way into some cool event or some cool place. But yeah, I think that's actually kind of the way to do it. Like you have some friends and the friends are the ones that are like, hey, this thing's going on tonight. Do you want to come? And you trust the friend with your life. That's kind of how you move in Toronto, I think. Because there is way too much stuff to do here. And I think that's like a kind of like a stark difference, like uh, from Vancouver, which is like a relatively big city where it's like, hey, we have nothing going on here. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. nothing nothing really happens. And if it happens, it happens like click centrically, which is really yeah. unfortunate. Yeah. So it's like, oh, you're not really part of this group of people. You might show up to something, you might get like a hey, thanks for coming. And then you don't really meet too many people. You don't really get to see anything very interesting. Um, and you kind of go home a little disappointed, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> That's rough, man. Oh my god. <laughs> this whole podcast Vancouver. shitting on Vancouver. I mean, it is what it That's is, tough, right? Man. And you know what? Vancouverites, they should be embarrassed. Just a little bit. Yeah. Eric said yeah. it, not me, not me. Um... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really interesting because I always imagine like I haven't spent that much time in Vancouver, but I imagine it's the kind of place where there's a lot going on just because it's so big, but like clearly not so. It's like you, as Eric said, you have to like know people. Otherwise, mm. it's like crickets, like red deer vibes, you know? Like, oh, we're shooting on red deer now? No, no, I'm Yo, not. Red deer's kind of tight though. You can literally drive through red deer <laughs> in 15 minutes. Red deer. 
Do you know, I was told I, I was just in Red Deer recently for like an extended period of time, well, like two weeks, which I had never done before. But yeah, I don't know if I told the band this, but apparently they have a law against dance floors. Like you can't build a, a new bar with the dance floor in it. <laughs> and I was like, like, why? Like what possible reason? And they're like, oh, because like 20 years ago, somebody got stabbed on the dance floor of a bar. And it's like, okay. So clearly the problem there was like the dance floor. <laughs> and not the weapons. Yeah, no, read yeah, between the lines. Like... That's a war against the music. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god. Citizens like, of all... Red Deer. Yeah. Like, what's going yeah. on over there? I don't know. <laughs> nice place, you know. It's, it's fine. <laughs> it's cute, yeah. Yeah. I don't hate it. Maybe build a freaking dance floor or something. I don't know. <laughs> Oh my god, um, I'll have to email the city of Red Deer and be like, for your 2024, like, um, meeting, item number one, dance floor. Dance floors, very important. Um, okay, oh, okay, yeah. I, I got a question for y'all. Um, okay, so, so sometimes the difference between, like, a project's murky first few steps and really hitting a stride is decided by, like, one opportunity what was the break that good information got that made you think, okay, we're here, this is happening? Okay, we might have different answers. Unless, so, like, are we aligned on this? this, uh, this is it is it the first, like, Kendrick show? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Is. yeah, 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 yeah. So, I wasn't okay. a part of it. I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wait, maybe that means you can have your own. Yeah. Sure. But like, I think for us, like shout out Clint. So Clint is the the booker at uh, probably our, like our, our, our kind of home base venue or a couple of venues in Edmonton, the Common and 9910. And we played a show at the Common pretty early on, like 20, 2019, I guess, the, of the band, maybe 2018. That was 2018. 2018, yeah. And we played a show and like, Aftermath of the show, people are hanging out. The booker, Clint, hears about, I guess, me saying like, oh yeah, like we want to play the music of Kendrick Lamar. Or, like that'd be fun to like arrange Kendrick music. Cause this was like somewhat fresh off to Pimp a Butterfly. It was like, mm -hmm. man, what a killer hip hop album that is so clearly rooted in jazz tradition and sonics. It's like let's let's figure out a way to present this and he like found me that night and he's like we're doing this like in four weeks Ooh. i was like hey clint we can't do that in four weeks but we'll do it in like eight and then we played that show and it was like our first show i don't think we had the name for it yet like that became part of our re-jazz series where we do like arrange popular hip-hop artists and it was sold out like is that the one where there was like a crazy lineup? I think there were like, there was like a hundred people in line on a Thursday night for a local band in Edmonton. So it just was, like, it was kind of, it's kind of nutty. Um, and then since then we've played, I guess like five more. And it feels like, like, even like you mentioned, Eric, like really good insight on like how that series might've even inspired just our writing as a whole. And it was like, maybe the first time like we felt like, oh, there's a whole community supporting our music that might have existed before that show 
but like we felt it on mass and consistently we felt it on mass since then. So that's, that's the one. I'm curious, Lucas, do you like, what, what was yours? What was your like? You have one? Moment? Like, I don't know. Cause there were a couple like kind of weird gigs that we did right when like I joined the band, like we, um, we did a gig just like, it, it was trio, just bass, drums, and piano. That was, I guess, like kind of my first, my, kind of more like my second real gig, but it was just like in somebody's house and we were on a bill with like two country artists that I was like, I don't know if this is the, <laughs> the vibe. Like, it was like, oh yeah, Connell, you weren't at that one, but that was no. a funny one because like, it was like, you know, just the only people there were like the country artists' families, and like I think they were kind of confused about what we were doing. Um, so like I remember doing that and being like, hmm, like it's kind of a strange one. But I think like there was a, I guess like for me the the Tyler the Creator show, um, where we played all of Tyler the Creator's music. That was kind of like I think we've all talked about it since. Is like that was one of the high points of the band because it was. You know, it was at the common, um, it was like packed energy was like crazy. Like I had never been a part of a show like that before. Like it was, it felt huge. It felt like people were there to listen to music. It, um, it was very, it was very like, there was, there was wa like water dripping off the windows. Like, yeah. It was it very was, humid. It was very humid, but it was like. I don't know if, if you've ever if you've ever been to like a show that's just has like like a really like electric energy to it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um just with like based on the crowd that was like yeah it was it was very very cool it's yeah amazing. that one was a really cool one that felt like kind of like oh yeah this is like it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun this is the big leagues now um it was that was a really good one would you guys ever want to like be touring artists like what's your conception of the ideal situation for good information do you prefer just like studio with some live gigs or like what's the vibe in a perfect world you know don't be realistic um, <laughs> whatever that is I guess I can't like like we might actually be coming to Vancouver in like November. Oh my gosh, let's hang out. <laughs> yeah, that would be that'd be a lot of fun. Um this is a hard question. This is actually kind of a hard question. Um Okay, no pressure. We can I skip it. Like, I definitely we would love that. Here's my conception. One third of the band. I would love to tour um as much as possible and make money. Because, <laughs> like, you know, touring in Canada is, like, terrible mm. because, you know, it's like each province has one to three, maybe five, like, kind of major cities. And then it's, like, just towns and everything's far away from each other. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. you know, to get to Vancouver, it's like, you know, you play Edmonton, Calgary, maybe Red Deer, mm -hmm. you know, and then you play maybe surrey apparently we should go to surrey yeah where you play victoria it's like you you've like if you were if we we're in the states that distance like in in like like physical landmass distance we would have played yeah. like 
maybe 20, 25 cities um, at like at a band that are like, you know, popularity level. So it's kind of tricky. And uh, maybe we'll have a better answer after we release this album and kind of see how how things go. Exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And like, yeah, I don't know. Like we did, we did kind of have a mini tour uh, back in the winter where we went. Uh, we and we were driving, which was it, was it was cool. But it was we went Regina, Calgary, Edmonton, back to back to back nights. And like, that was a lot of fun, you know, it was real nice and didn't get to see like too much of the, of, you know, Regina, like I've been to Calgary a bunch, but, uh, you know, like that vibe of playing your music in a different city where there are other people there that you don't know, like that was really exciting and really fun. Like, you know, I'm definitely always, uh, eager to like play in, in new places and, if those opportunities arise uh, and yeah, it'd be really cool to come play in Vancouver for a bit. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. I think like, I do like, I, I think I'm kind of split on it um, oh. because we're, we're slowly building out a kind of, rehearsal pseudo kind of studio uh space right now um which is being exciting in and, of, in and of itself um so i think i in an ideal world for me that's like like there's there's tours that happen but also like not necessarily primary focus but like there's there's like a large a large chunk of time spent um refining refining stuff in like a studio environment mm -hmm. i'm with you connell i see no yeah. splits i see no split necessary 100 percent. gotta gotta play and then you gotta come home and make more music yeah. yeah actually like that you know i would like i think honestly being on tour like year round or whatever would like i i don't think any of us would really love that like i i think you know, it is good to be like home and working on stuff. And like, I think some of the, the best times I've had in the, in the band were like the, you know, when we were deciding we were going to do an album, we were working on it in the studio together, uh, you know, till you know, relatively late at night in the summer. And, you know, like it was, that was a lot of fun. And, that's, uh, that's another thing about the band is we don't, we really don't like late nights. Um, yeah one of us so, in particular doesn't uh, okay one of us one of us in particular i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna say who no, 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 i no. feel like oh. i don't know guys like, i think we're all pretty much on the same page well, there you tell me you guys didn't all go to bed at 9 30 last night <laughs> i actually wait did i <laughs> yeah you were construction I yeah i yeah. i i have the worst uh bedtime like sleep my sleep schedule could, could really really be better okay <laughs> that's the real tea you guys you know <laughs> on the outside you guys are like a cool jazzy trio on the inside you'll like have to get canel's sleep schedule down okay like... <laughs> <Yeah>. exactly oh <laughs>
Okay, we're going to start wrapping this up and winding down because time differences. Um, I'm really curious about, like, I work on my own. So I'm like, in a group, what's the best part of, like, knowing that, like, you know, like, Lucas is there, Boboye is there, Connell's there. What's the best part of, like, that group situation for you? What warms your heart? <laughs> I had a not heartwarming answer. <laughs> yeah, let it rip. You can you can give that one too. Um, I mean, you guys have well, known each other. It's not like anti heartwarming. It's just like you know sometimes, especially maybe I'll say like I've had a not a hard year. I've just had a long year. Like mm. I've kind of had a long, just a long, long go, which has led me to to be uh, like full-time music and self-employed. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you are low motivation or energy or just capacity, mm -hmm. it's nice to have other people who aren't feeling that way. Like I can't, I couldn't imagine doing a solo project. Cause it's like, you know, it's like when, when the gas is running low, it's like, who do you turn to here? It's like, there are three cylinders. So if one is down, there's always there's two that are kind of still firing. So yeah, that's always good. That's heartwarming. I thought yeah, I was like, that's, yeah. Oh my gosh. That's way more heartwarming than my answer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then you have to. <laughs> my, oh, my, mine is just that the fact that like, when when we're on tour there's always like i i think we just like we we all have kind of our our roles that we fall into um whether that's like the the long haul drive like whether it's like oh like we we got to sort out where we're staying or like where it's like everybody kind of has their own has their own role in that and it's it's like it's very like it's very grounding it's very like like you you know if things go sideways like everybody's like okay we're on the same level like let's kick in <laughs> yeah that's a good way to put it yeah and we all go to bed early already that's early that's it that's not true that's not true <laughs> you don't oh, yeah i guess you don't really but like i don't go to bed early I, I, but you're I, not I, like you're you're not like partying till late you know like i think that's oh, the, yeah. we're all we're all very sane is what it is yeah. yeah that's that's i think that's the other thing too like none of us yeah none of us party <laughs> as, as, yeah. as like as sad as that well it doesn't sound sad no. i don't know like <laughs> like came. yeah that's okay yeah. nobody's yeah. no nobody's going like crazy like nobody's yeah passed like, out yeah. exactly yeah. like there's, there's yeah. that's never that's never been the vibe so <laughs> yeah like i think like yeah, there's no like wild card in the group. Like well, nobody's like unreliable. <laughs> what? There's definitely a wild card in the group. On who will sleep earliest? Yes. 
That's right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. A tame okay. jazz band. That's kind of like um a pretty far cry from like the the like jazz bands of the past. Yeah. Party partying, hard drugs. That's yeah. good. Live long yeah. lives, make yeah. music forever. I don't know. All the great with a lot of heroin. Yeah. Died young, like and they're they're gonna be remembered forever, you know? <laughs> I actually so like Eric, you mentioned the other things I do. Like I, I host a, like a, a weekly actually maybe we can like get the record straight right here. Okay. Uh, okay. So other friends, I host we host a weekly night of music at the comment every Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Information used to host yes. a monthly night of music at the common way back when. No one in good information except for me does this other thing. But everyone, everyone will like see good information. They're like, yo, loving what you guys are doing on Wednesdays. It's like it's not us. But we just did like a tribute <laughs> night to this pianist named Herbie Nichols, who like is an incredible pianist very much in the Thelonious Monk style of like angular, unique, wild compositions. And he like, he recorded a bunch of albums with Blue Note, like legendary record label. And he's kind of just forgotten. And people like, like jazz, like real jazz heads are like, yo, he's a deep cut. He's, he's great composer, great player, um, really unique, but he didn't do drugs. And he wasn't like big on self-promotion. So he was just kind of like on the outside of the, the scene. And it's mm -hmm. like, if he just did some heroin, like, like, like for real, like that could have yeah. been all he needed to do. And like dress, dress a little more hip, but like yeah, wear, um, wear a funny hat or something. Oh my God. Well, like, no, he's got, he's got to wear the, uh, the mustard yellow Gucci yeah. yeah with the snakeskin boots yeah that's it there we go yeah. that's why he wasn't successful guys no oh, wait, uh, we're wrapping not yet i mean okay. we're gonna we're gonna get there quickly but um <laughs> um you can be legendary without the heroin you know that's a pretty strong stuff um i i have faith in your ability to be legendary <laughs> 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 so yeah don't die young live long lives yeah I don't the think economy looks bad <laughs> yeah i think uh yeah i think like i don't know what percentage of like heroin use happens like after 9 30 p.m so I, I but i feel like it's probably a lot so i'm, I'm probably <laughs> <staying>. <laughs> But I guess, like, that it is a good question just to, like, get a little deep on that. Like, do you worry about, like, prominence? Like, you're making music, you're in the game, you're doing things, you're accomplishing. Are you wanting to, like, get bigger? Do you want to go, like, Taylor Swift levels? Or, like, what's the... Like, how known do you want to be? Is that set or does it change? Jazz band getting to Taylor yes. Swift levels would be nuts. That I would mean, be wild. That why, would be really why wild. Why not? Why not? Um, imagine like, oh man, Commonwealth Stadium full. Commonwealth. Oh, sorry, that's our big stadium here in Edmonton. You know what? Okay, I feel like I, I can at least say this. 
like I don't go to big concerts. Mm. I do not enjoy like just as a listener, I don't I would never go to a concert. I've never been to Rogers Place, like our big stadium in Edmonton. I would never, you know, go, oh, I'm gonna fly to Vancouver to see Beyonce. I'm like I would see Beyonce if she was like within two hundred meters of me. Mm. But like I don't I don't want to see someone from like a kilometer away. <laughs> like, I get that. I'd rather just, you know, watch the video. So yeah. I would never want to get big to the point, or like if we saw big to the point of like like a lot of people in one city wanting to see us we would do multiple nights i think we're already on that we're kind of already on that tilt in edmonton where we're like sure we could probably play the starlight big stage for one night and it like actually we have now like and it it was full like packed but we'd rather like a medium-sized room like between 150 and 200 and do two nights like that's just so much so much more and you can like the energy within a room is palpable like from the stage you can actually make eye contact with every single person in the room yeah. um, so that's kind of a cop-out answer because it feels too awkward to just be like i want to be masked like i don't know how to say that like I, I don't know if we have, do you guys have goals about like how big you want to be? <laughs> I'd love to like tour Canada and like Europe and the States. Yeah. I, I've realized yeah. as I play with other artists, like you can do those things kind of at any like popularity level. It just kind of looks different. So, True. Yeah. Honestly, like if, if, if like more than five people like listen to the album, when it comes out, I'm gonna be happy. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm on um, board. Like, <laughs> but like, I think, I, yeah, I don't know. I think like, there's with within Edmonton, like being like again coming back to like if you throw an event, people will come. Like mm-hmm. with that, mm-hmm. um, I think I, this is just personally, but like if if that happens and we get we get an event together for the album i like that's that's good enough for me um it's it's nice it's nice to have like aspirations and like have have those like really like oh let's let's be taylor swift big um but i i think some sometimes that's like that leads you on the wrong path like oh. it put it puts you in like a different headspace. Mm. It's it, it's like it. I don't want to say it's like unrealistic because it could it could happen yeah. to like anybody. But like, um, I think for a lot of things, like like it's it's almost like a trap that art artists or like bands can fall into of like, oh, like we gotta be like, we gotta be playing like like on their like goal sheet like mm-hmm. or their um like wh- whatever they're like setting goals they're like oh we're gonna play an arena like that's like a five to ten year plan where it's like is that is that like like staying staying realistic and staying like in the moment and like connect yeah it's just like connected 
Um, I think that's like, that's a real, I, I don't know. It's a, it's just a good goal to have. Yeah, there probably is like a, a cap on how famous you can get as like an instrumental jazz band. So like, <laughs> I don't imagine there will be a, a band that's like, that sounds anything like us that has the, the following of Taylor Swift. But like, yeah, you know, like I just, I think, I think we all really like the music we play. I think we all think that like, you know, there are lots of people who, if they heard it, would also like it. And I think like, you know, it would be really cool to to play elsewhere around, you know, around Canada, around the world where uh, we're getting even just like a similar kind of reaction. Like, because it feels really nice when we play here. There's a lot of people that want to come hear us play. And, you know, I think like that would take time, I, I imagine, unless this album blows up, which... Yeah, I don't even, I have no idea how any of that works, how anybody blows up uh, these days. But, you know, it'd be cool to come to Vancouver and have like, and play a show where there's not zero people there or where it's not just like people that we vaguely know. I respect that. I respect that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I hope you're as successful as you want to be, but like also as successful as Baboye needs to be to be, you know, full time. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, right? You guys have full well, okay. You're in med school, so you have a job. No, you're you're right. Like I think ideally it would like not that I hate med school or whatever, but like it would, you know, if I didn't have to do that all the time, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. Be like, sorry, I, I gotta go on a tour. I got to go on my era's tour and play in a stadium in uh, Brazil. Sorry. Yeah. Can't be. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like you would make more money as a doctor as you would probably make as a musician. Yeah. Hard to, <laughs> hard to say. We'll, uh, <laughs> I don't know. we'll sell our album for a million dollars per Just like CD. that. That's yeah, one. Okay. What you got to do is you got to have, you gotta have um, CDs in your in your office when you become a doctor. Mm. <laughs> That's so hey, cool. Uh, somebody comes in. Well, hey, uh, yeah. Listen, the X-ray didn't look so good, but like, have you heard <laughs> my new single? Uh, it's it's real tight. I think you'd like it. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Oh. Can I can I pull together one quick last question? Um, before maybe we, we let you guys have a chance to plug um, and we, we wrap up. Absolutely. Okay, oh, yeah. great. So um, I've noticed that a lot, I, I, I listen to a lot of hip hop and I, I don't have like an illusion that you guys don't, like you guys probably listen to a, a lot of hip hop too. Um, and I noticed that a lot of the musicians that you guys do arrangements for are like these like, you know, like obvious genius, um, like really like pushing forward the um, like the the genre, like the, the type of music that's being made or just making these groundbreaking albums. Um, if you were to arrange the music for like a regional, a regional um, hip hop artist, um, just off the top of your head, 
like someone from the Bay Area or some someone from the Dirty South or someone from like Detroit, Michigan right now, who would you guys love to arrange music for or even collaborate with? Okay, I I have two answers. Um, one that's going to resonate with the band. Um, so the first one would be like the JPEG Mafia Danny Brown album. Easy, easy. It's <laughs> it would be so good. Um, so there's that, and then I think eventually we've like t- kind of tossed the idea around of doing like a Griselda um, records kind of kind of night yeah oh yeah yeah i would echo that oh sorry b what were you gonna say i just want to clarify eric when you when you said arrange for what did you mean by that um like either arrange their music um like in a way that you would want to play it like with your rejazz sessions or okay um do like a arrangement to like maybe even perform with the musician live Got it. Yeah, we've talked about the Danny Brown record, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Lucas, do you have another? Cut? No, I mean, that's kind of, I don't know, man. Like, if, if Danny Brown was, like, putting a call out for a bass player, like, I would leave my life behind to play on a Danny Brown and JPEG Mafia album. I just, No questions asked, like, tomorrow I'd go. But, like, that would be dope. I don't know if that's like <laughs> the best stylistic, but like, I don't know. It could probably, it could probably work. And like, I hope someday we do like a, an arrangement to some of those, some of those songs, but like, yeah, I don't know. Like that's really the, the album that I was like listening to the most this last year. Just so just very interesting, great music. If anybody hasn't listened to scaring the hose, put that on very, very strange music, but. Oh yeah. You know, I guess I'm gonna have to jump in and like if we're if we're talking about collabs, like well, no, I shouldn't say this one might happen, but it might happen. Like um we would make sense in like the art rap world of like Homeboy Sandman is a great rapper who is coming to Edmonton next year and we do have contact with him, so like maybe that happens. Um but then I've just been listening to other art rap like open mic eagle and i'm like man this would actually be really cool um but then also like this you know i'm not i guess we're not like trying to make this real or anything but some of drake's music is so good oh, if yeah. you wanted to like run back some of his older music in like an in extremely like creative live setting is like for small audiences that would be wild to like really rethink the live experience of like such a popular artist. Yeah. 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 If I could get like a the motion by good information, that would blow my mind. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like if anybody knows Drake, like let us <laughs> <laughs> I hear he kind of just like wanders the streets of Toronto. So I don't know if you run into him over there i've never seen him i've only seen him on murals there's like pizza places that have murals of drake inside and then there's a pizza place called six pizza hell yeah (laughs) okay it's a signal like the bat signal the drake signal 
Just like, listen, we've got some excellent arrangements. Hit us up. Okay. I think unless you guys had any sort of extra comment, this is now the wrap up. Please tell our listeners um, where they can find you, whether it's on Instagram, if there are any live shows coming up. Um, yeah, let the people know. When is this going to come out, you know? Um, okay, let me open my calendar app one second. <laughs> so, in a perfect world, this coming weekend's a bit busy, but we're aiming to get it out okay. for October 12th. Okay, so soon. Yeah. Then, I guess, like, most pressing. Um, oh, shoot, we don't have this date locked in yet. <laughs> um, okay, well, like, Edmonton is chill, so, like, whatever you know edmonton people will find out or not we might be doing our next we we, we are likely doing our next rejazz which i guess this will be the announcement is the music of childish gambino on october 21st here in edmonton and then we're playing again in edmonton on i hope okay it's edmonton again so it's chill november 29th with uh, a band from Calgary slash Montreal called Jed Arbor and another band from Calgary called Orange. I think that's how they pronounce their name. And then we're playing in Calgary on December 2nd uh, with those two bands as well. And reversing time to November 25th, not confirmed yet, but Jed Arbor is playing in Vancouver. We're probably on that bill with some Vancouver bands. So think that's all the dates and then for everything else you can find us on the internet by just looking up good information music on youtube instagram facebook we don't have tiktok because we go to sleep before 9 30 um yeah what am i missing oh we just dropped a single like not too long ago with odario maybe you guys have heard it maybe you haven't it's called do nada and there's actually like three singles do nada the instrumental uh, tune, and then a remix of Fringes. Actually, and then a fourth, there's a remix of Dunata as well. So that's our latest release with uh, Odario of CBC Music's late night show, After Dark. So you can check that out. And there's a video as well. There's a video for that to make well. And one last question. Exciting to hear you have all these shows coming up. If people want to know where the shows are, um, where's the best place to get that information first? You're right. I didn't say that. I guess, like, number one, go to our Instagram because we will post about them there. And our website, which is goodinfo.cargo.site. You'll find it there. But in Edmonton, it will be at 9910 or the Common, basically the same spot. In Calgary, it's at the Palomino. Uh, don't know where it is in Vancouver, but you'll find it on our website or on Instagram. Sounds great. I'll put all those links in the show notes slash description. Um, thank you guys so much for making time for this. This has been so awesome and so fun. Thank you. This really, yeah, really thanks great. for having us. Thank you guys so much. This has been a pleasure. Yeah, it's great talking with you guys. Mm -hmm.